How's everybody doing? Good. Several greats and a couple as, but that's fine. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many people have a perfect bracket still? <laughs> Good. Uh, so I have certain IU has been horrible lately. Uh, so I have certain teams that I'm against more than four, which obviously isn't the greatest thing to do, but it works. And so Duke lost, which was exciting for me. Uh, but it brought to mind that way back in the day, I visited one of my friends uh, who was going to Duke Seminary. And so I got to see the Duke campus and the, the fabled court and everything. And do you know what you get if you drive quickly through Duke's campus? An undergraduate degree. Okay. So, so uh, as she read the, the New Testament reading, I know growing up I learned the Lord's Prayer in the King James Version and, and that beautiful language. And as we've gone through this series, Fearless Prayer, we're reminded each week that each line was not just Jesus saying, hey, guys, this is a prayer for you to do. It's him saying, hey, this is your connection to me. This is your connection to God. And this week's, and this is from the New Living, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. I remember always thinking about that and thinking about the evil one and thinking about what evil is. And we always are aware that we live in a world that's just not right, I guess is the best way to put it. We live in a world that, that is against God. We live in a world that's different. We live in a world that, that doesn't really care. And you can turn on the news for five minutes. You can get on Facebook for less than five minutes for your sanity. But you can just see all of the negativity. And it's so easy to focus on that. And it's so easy to get discouraged by that. And it's so easy to just feel down. But this series reminds us, just like the Old Testament reading with Joshua, that our prayers are heard. And this week we're talking about fearless living, about living in a world that, like I said, is not the way that it should be. But our living for him shows a glimpse of that to everyone else. And so I have a scripture that I'm going to read a, a section because this is what came to my heart, to my mind when I thought about what it means to live for Christ, what it means to live in this world. And this, this scripture alone, you've heard it before, and it could be a series on its own. But it's so important to remember. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Uh, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It is incredibly easy to focus on the negative. It's easy to look at that paragraph and, and feel fear. And be like, wow, we're, we're fighting all the time. Like, there are so many forces against us. There are so many people against us. How can we possibly do this? But it starts by saying, be strong in the Lord. It's part one of the answer. Be strong in the Lord in his power. Thankfully, we don't have to rely on our own. We don't have to rely on our own strength. We rely on his. And we put on the full armor of God. God's armor. God put us in this world to be his servants, to be his soldiers, to be his examples, and then he gives us everything we need to succeed. That's such a cool thing, such an amazing thing. And like I said, it's easy to look at this and focus on the fighting part. Focus on the fear part. Focus on the part that, that, that really is 
frightening. To get discouraged. To think about our lives, our interactions, and think about the people that stand against us, the things that stand against us. To again, start to get discouraged or allow that to turn into anger. Allow that to turn into hatred. Allow that to change us from what we're supposed to be. To become spiteful, to become an us versus them mentality. To carry around the thoughts of, they won't listen. I've tried everything and they just won't listen. They just don't care. They, they don't have the heart. They, they, won't, they don't care about God. When I preach, I like to use quotes from people that I, I admire. And one of them, one of the people that I most admire just because of his writing and because of his speaking and because of his life is C.S. Lewis. And so you have probably heard of C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I went to school with him, so I can call him C.S. Um, and you have to think about that. That's fine. So the quote is, a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him then a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. So what that says is no matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter what people do, no matter what people don't do, God's not dis diminished ever. God is perfect. God is, in, God is in charge. God is in control. God is above everything. Just like we can't write down the word darkness and boom, it's dark. No one can diminish God. And that doesn't mean, hey, you know, be happy when people go against God. Be happy when people don't listen. It's not saying that at all. But it tells us that we start from a place of strength. We start from a place of victory. We start from a place of hope because God wins. God is in charge. There's literally nothing that can happen that will change his will, that will change his plan, that will change his impact. And we get this glory, this hope, this chance to show people that, to tell people that, to live that out. And it's such an exciting thing. And as you look through this scripture, again, it's easy to, to focus on the battle. And it's easy to let the battle change us. You see, we look at the don't yield to temptation, and most of the time our mind immediately goes to sins, to, to the things that, that tempt us. Uh, just a little bit ago, there were two cakes out there that definitely were tempting me. I didn't have any. I may have wanted to eat both of them. But then, you know, what happens? And we think about those things, the outer things, the people, the things, the other temptations out in the world, and that's absolutely something. It's something, it's true. It's talking about that. But it's also talking about the inner temptation. Again, the temptation to change, to get discouraged, to be like, well, this is what they're going to respond to. I think about back in John 4, and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, uh, and I believe that the Chosen did this too. Um, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And he's speaking to her, and he speaks to her truthfully, but he starts out building a relationship, and then he, she brings up something, and he talks about her sin. He doesn't hide from it. He doesn't say, oh, no, it's okay. But he also doesn't pull her up in front of people and shame her. He doesn't make a post about it. He doesn't... Show anger at her for it. And then the key to me is she changes the subject. Now most of us are going to grab her face, not literally, please don't do that, and pull it back to us and be like, hey, this is important. Did you not hear what I just said? What's Jesus do? He lets her change the subject. Now he didn't change the truth. He didn't say, hey, it's okay now. 
but he showed love for her. He gave her time with it. He set the example of what she needs to look like. And then what happens? She goes and tells the whole town about her, tells everybody about him. And it changes lives because that's what he did. You see, when Jesus walked on this earth, not even all the disciples turned to him. Judas betrayed him, obviously, but Peter denied him. All of them ran. All these things happened around him. People shouted hateful things at him. But he never changed who he was. He never changed how he lived. Now, we're going to face stuff that's horrible. We're going to face people that, that, that just want to drag us down. And the temptation to change, to match that, is overwhelming sometimes. But if we change who we are, what are we fighting for? That's not what we do. And that's what this scripture is about to me. That's what's so important. Not to go looking for a fight. But to understand we're already in it. So it's that much more important to wear the armor to show people who he is. There are different schools of thought for, for God's mighty power. And at one time or another we've thought or heard each of these. And so the first one is I do everything and God does nothing. Like I, I do everything and God's there waiting, you know, supporting me. And obviously we can see the flaws in that. Because God's active. The next one is, I do nothing, and God does everything. I just wait, and God will take care of everything. And again, we see the flaws there because that makes us just sit around. Now, would it be nice if we could just like sit there and boom, everything gets done? I can tell you it'd be awesome if my apartment would clean itself, or if anybody here would like to come over and clean it. Tim, I know. You're up for that. Uh, but that's obviously flawed, too. Because we're to be active also. And so the third one, we sometimes land on this like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And it's, I do all I can, and God helps me with what I can't. And when we hear that, we're like, oh yeah. You see, God helps us with what we can too. God helps us every step of the way. So the answer is that each of those ways falls short. We rely on him completely. And then we live it out. So how do we live it out? Going to the next part, verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the armor of God. It's of God. It's from God. And it's also his armor. I know that for most of us, it's been a long time since we've taken a math class. I'm not going to give you a test. I saw some fear. I wouldn't be able to give you a test in most kinds of math. But uh, if you remember the, the books, or for me, it was like a, a stone scroll. But the books, uh, they have the problems in the front. And in the back, if you flipped, there's the answers. Now, I would imagine that for some of you, you're thinking, oh, wow, there are answers in the back? That's so cool. I wish I'd known that. But for others of you, you're thinking, there are problems in the front? <laughs> but either way, we have the problems, and then it shows how to do the answers. That's what the armor of God is. 
we face this problem. God put us in this world to make a difference, and then he gives us, he gives us every answer. He gives us every ability. He gives us everything we need, everything we could possibly need. And as we go through these, uh, the belt of truth, what's a belt do? For some of us, it can be kind of discouraging, but back in these days, in the armor days, the belt protects your abdomen. And so you picture like a WWF championship belt, which is what this motion is. I grew up watching wrestling. I believe WrestleMania is this weekend, but I don't watch it anymore. It's fine. Um, apparently no one else does either, so it works out. But the belt, it's like a big belt. And so it protects you, but it also holds everything together. And what that tells us is our truth holds everything together. Again, the temptation is to, to change. The temptation is to give in. But truth is on our side. That means we, we already have that. We're already right. Now again, the temptation is to take a Bible and walk up to somebody that we disagree with and bam, whack them in the head. And then read whatever scripture falls open. Don't do that for a lot of reasons. For number one, you'll probably get arrested. For number two, can you picture Jesus doing that? But we get so discouraged, so upset, so just angry at other people just not living it, not doing it, that it can be hard. But we have the truth already. People will see that in time. And it's not on us to force them to see it. It's on us to show them to live that. And so the belt of truth is so important. And it's a symbol of action, of life. Going on to the next, the breastplate of righteousness. Thankfully, it's not our righteousness. Because if we walked around with the armor of our righteousness, we might feel like it's this big, giant, golden armor, but it's going to be like this little tiny thing barely covering anything. Uh, I watch a lot of TV. I don't really listen to music. So like my escape or my comfort is watching TV shows, like actual shows, not stupid reality things. No offense. Actually, some offense, but that's okay. Um, but I watch shows. And one of the things that annoys me every time is the character that is self-righteous. And by that I mean the character that walks in and they think everything they say is right and everything they do is right and they won't even listen or talk. They just tell people what to do and they go for it. And you can probably picture uh, TV characters or movie characters that have done that way or book characters that have done that way before. But this isn't our righteousness. It's God's righteousness. God's righteousness is overwhelming. God's righteousness overcomes everything. God's righteousness has no flaws. And we get to carry that with us to protect us. And what does the breastplate protect? It's a hard sentence to say. It protects our heart, which is where Jesus is. It protects our lungs, which is filled with the breath of God. And it's the first thing people see. God's righteousness. We live for that. It's so important. And then it talks about the shoes of the peace of good news, the peace of the gospel. And it's easy to look at the full armor of God and just kind of ignore that. And be like, ah, I don't need shoes. I can go out barefoot. For one, that's gross. Sorry. It's stinky too. But those are important. That peace, that foundation, shoes are foundation, of the peace of God, of the peace of the gospel, of the message of the gospel, that's why we're here. 
Like the whole thing with Easter is about the gospel, the story of Jesus, and we get to live that each day. And if you're thinking, yeah, but man, the sword and the shield, that's what I really need. I don't really need that peace. Well, think about Achilles. You've probably heard of the Achilles heel. It's based on a character from the Iliad and also a real person. Uh, but he died, at least in our understanding, from being shot in the heel. So that's an important part, too, is covering our feet, having that story, understanding that it all starts, our foundation is on the peace that comes only from Christ. And we show people that, we live that out, we, we exemplify that. And that means that if we go out without praying, if we go out without preparing, if we go out without being right ourselves, then what are we doing? See, this week is about fearless living and living for him, living in the face of evil, living in the face of temptation. And that means praying. That means praying all of the time. It means praying to him. It means living out that peace, reading the gospel, worshiping in church. Going up to Mary after service and signing up for choir. Not me, but you guys. You learn from service to service that some jokes work somewhere and some don't work. <laughs> and so we're going to see how the rest of this goes. But it means worshiping with our lives. And then showing people that. And then we go to the shield of faith. And this is like the big shields. And how powerful they were. And so it talks about the fiery arrows. Back in the day in like Iliad times. Uh, former war times. Israel at times. All these things. Um, they would have these shields. And so the first thing that would happen is the other side. Whichever side would shoot a bunch of fiery arrows. And so their hope was to knock out like a bunch of the forces, people that weren't paying attention, people that didn't have their shields with them or were talking or posting something really important right then. Like checking Twitter and like, oh, I wonder what's going on and something. But the people that had their shields ready, arrows bounced right off. Now here's the cool thing. See, the great armies of the past... And I'm talking great in terms of effective, like the Israelites, like the Spartans, like the Greeks. The armies that we think of in history, and I, I like history, if you don't, that's okay. Uh, they would have these times where they would have the individual shield, yes. But in great battles, they would join together, like side by side with their shields connecting, which made it pretty much impenetrable. Now let me draw a parallel for you. We are in a church in which all of us have shields. And yes, most of the time we're out in the world and we're with God and we're there and we have our shield, but we have this opportunity, this chance to join our shields together all of the time, not just when we're here, but to lift each other up throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout every day. And to join our shields together and to remember, hey, my shield's connected to other people's shields. We rise by lifting each other up, by exemplifying God to each other and then helping each other do that to the world. It's such a cool thing. It's not a solo mission. Christianity is not a solo thing. It's not, I've got to go save them. You can't. There is not a single Christian in the history of time that can save anyone. Only Jesus saves. 
We point to Jesus and we share the story and we show his example, but it's Jesus that saves. So we have to join together. We have to help each other. We have to love everyone. And that takes us to the helmet of salvation, which goes on our head, which is where our brain is. Hopefully that's not a shock. Because it's about thinking and making that decision because it's a choice to serve him. And again, we get so caught up in, I, it's so important, I really want people to do this, so I'm going to tell them, and I'm going to tell them, and I'm going to yell at them, and I'm going to get angry, and I'm going to win this argument. And sometimes, we win the argument at the cost of losing the person. And again, that's not to say we never talk about our faith, we should talk about our faith. But it's to remember that it's the salvation that was freely given by Jesus that we wear. And to show that to everyone. And then it goes to, the, to take the sword of the Spirit. It doesn't say walk around and swing the sword all the time. It says to take it. Absolutely, there will be times that you have to use it. Now, does that mean you only use the Word of God sometimes? No. We live the Word of God. We use it all the time. But it's the Word of God. Not the Word of Jeff. Not the Word of, I'm not going to name everybody here. It's the word of God, and it's us living for him. And we think about Peter in the garden as we're coming up on the Easter season and how Jesus is being arrested. And Peter grabs his sword, and he cuts off the guy's ear. And the other disciples are probably like, they're thinking like, oh, let's do this. And the soldiers are like, uh-oh, we're going to have a fight. What's Jesus do? Jesus stops him, heals the guy, heals the person that's arresting him. And then says, that's not how we do things. We don't change who we are just to win a battle. We win the battle by living like we always live, by not letting it change us. And it shows such great strength. Last week in the other service, I talked about forgiveness and how often we, we struggle with forgiveness because we think it makes us look weak turning the other cheek and all that stuff, it makes us look weak, but it shows such great strength to forgive. And it shows such great strength to not allow anyone else or anything else to change the way we live. To not give in to anger, to not give in to hatred, to not give in to anything else. To not yield to temptation, not just from the outer temptation, but the inner temptation. Another quote, another person that I look up to is Mr. Rogers. I get to think about Mr. Rogers a lot because Beatrice uh, watches Daniel Tiger, and I can sing all the songs for you. Also, her third birthday party was yesterday, so if you say literally anything out to me out there, it's probably going to be like, oh, that reminds me of this picture. Some of you have been caught by that. But this quote, and Mr. Rogers was a pastor. He did a children's program, but he taught people how to live. So the quote is, if you could only sense how important you are to the lives of those uh, you meet, how important you can be to the people you may never even dream of. There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. There's something of yourself you leave at every meeting with another person. When he says important, he doesn't mean like, you know, the other person can't live without you. He says your example is important. One of the things I like to say and what I'm going to say here is you may be the only example of Jesus that someone sees. That's important. Now, that's not to say that God can't reach them without us, because he can. But you may be that example. The way that you treat them, the way that you talk about them, the way that you talk, period. I almost fell on the carpet. The way that you do 
your life for him. Maybe the only example of Jesus they see, that's important. So what are you going to leave with them? Are you going to leave your angry argument? Are you going to leave your hatred? Are you going to leave your discouragement? Are you going to leave that hope of the message of God? That example of the message of God, the best of us. There's a quote that is essentially, I'm going to paraphrase it, uh, all that it takes for evil to win is for good men to do nothing. And that's true. But I have an addendum to it. Because the other all that it takes for evil to win is for there to be no example of good to see. You see, we are that example. We are his force in the world to show people. That's fearless living. One more scripture, one more verse. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray all the time, all the time. In this scripture, Paul goes from, hey, you're in a battle. You're in a battle. Put on the armor to pray all the time. Pray for everyone. Pray all of the time. Pray in the spirit. Pray constantly. For all of the battle armor prep, for everything else, it starts with that prayer, with that preparation, with praying for living, praying in the spirit. I have one more quote from Mr. Rogers. So he wins two to one on C.S. Lewis today. The Holy Spirit translates our best efforts into what needs to be communicated to that person in his or her place of need. The Holy Spirit translates our best efforts. What that means is we sometimes think, okay, I'm going to go treat everybody this way. Now, I don't mean treat everybody nice because we should do that. But it's like, okay, I have this message and I'm going to give it to every single person individually. If they start to say, hey, I'm hurting, I'm going to ignore them so that I can say what I need to say. If they start to say, hey, what about this? Look, hold on, questions at the end. It's case by case. Each person has a story. Each person carries something that we have no idea what they're going through. That's why at the well, Jesus started with listening, started with prayer. That's why we start with listening, with prayer. That's why we talk. We're in each thing, case by case. We trust the Spirit to guide us. We set that example each day. And the coolest thing in the Bible, and there's a lot, is the guarantee of God that he will be with us every step of the way. It's not, hey, if you wake up on the right side of the bed, I'm with you. It's not, hey, if you cheer for the right team, I'm with you, which is good because you guys are all Cincinnati fans and that wouldn't work out. But it's, I am with you. I will help you. I will guide you. I will strengthen you. All you have to do is choose and live it. And then we show that to everyone. God's light. God's light that comes from his love is what we shine. That's what we show. That's what our armor is. Showing everyone who God is by living the way Jesus lived. That's all I got.